Chapter 44 You're saying this statue is my son? Dowager Queen Bernadine leaned back in her wheelchair, looking up at the statue with an expression that managed to be both calm and exasperated. But how? Colette said. How is this possible? She stared at King Francois and blinked back tears. Colette had already tried kissing the statue's cheek at Gustave's suggestion, as had Bernadine. Just in case. It hadn't worked. The conversation fragmented as everyone offered their theories and potential solutions. Gustav stepped back to examine the chaos from a different angle. Surely there was a way to fix this. They had placed King Francois in the library. Dowager Queen Bernadine stared at him as if she could break the enchantment through intimidation alone. Colette walked slowly around the statue, studying it as if the answers were hidden somewhere in the stone. Marquis Corbeau and Marchioness Rouge argued about the implications this would have for the government and if the king's discovery should be announced publicly. Elaine searched the shelves for useful books. Lady Mayor and Dale stood near the window, seeming unsure if they belonged in this meeting or not. Dale was not so subtly eyeing the last fork in Lady Mayor's hair. She noticed and untangled it with help from Princess Elspeth's mirror. The merchant took it gratefully and clutched the rose-inspired silverware to his chest in a strange bouquet. Where had those forks come from? The whole incident on the beach had been bizarre, and Gustav had more questions for Lady Mare than he could keep track of. As if she could hear his thoughts, Lady Mare turned and caught his gaze. Gustav swallowed. Whatever else had happened, she had saved his life. Not to mention she had found his father. Gustav couldn't shake the feeling that she was somehow responsible for bringing him back to Montaigne. Did she have some sort of connection to the mermaids who had kidnapped King Francois? How had she arranged for his release? However she had done it, he was glad. With a start, Gustav realized the room had gone quiet. Everyone had stopped arguing and turned to him for an answer. Right. He was king. He was supposed to have all the answers. Obviously we don't know how to break the enchantment, and it may take some time to figure that out. Perhaps the most pressing question is what we do now. I propose we cancel the gala so we can focus our attention on father. Cancel the gala? Marquis Corbo's face turned a shade of outraged purple. Guests have already arrived, Colette said. Her expression remained resolved when Gustav looked at her in disbelief. We can't do anything to help him right now, Gustav. Not unless Elaine has found something useful. The group turned to look at Elaine, who had spread three books on a nearby table and seemed to be trying to read all of them at once. She looked up and frowned when Marquis Corbo cleared his throat. I don't have anything yet, and I can't guarantee that you'll have anything in your library about this type of enchantment. Or that I'll be able to work the magic if we do find a spell. Gustav looked to Lady Mare. You found the statue. Do you have any ideas? She shook her head. The bits of glass in her hair glistened like drops of water as she moved. Now that he was used to it, Gustav found the effect rather pretty. Marquis Corbeau, on the other hand, watched Lady Mare with the same expression he had worn when he saw the beach covered with fish. Your Majesty, we have royal guests. We missed greeting the Crown Prince of Eldria while you were off fighting Kraken. The servants promised him that you would meet him for dinner tonight. 
We cannot cancel, and you cannot entertain a visiting monarch while you smell of fish and are missing half your trousers. We need to end this discussion and prepare for the reception. Gustav looked down. He had forgotten that Lady Mare had cut off the leg of his trousers. That had been quick thinking, and she had saved his life while risking her own. He needed to thank her later. Maybe he could make her title official. Saving the king's life was surely worthy of a royal title. But he couldn't do that or anything else that really mattered while he was entertaining guests. Perhaps if we told Prince Darien that we are having a family emergency. Because the crown prince is renowned for his understanding and generous personality, Marchioness Rouge said. Your Majesty, we should not offend him lightly. Trade with Eldria is very important to our economy. Gustav, as much as I hate to agree with him, Marquis Corbo is right. We cannot ignore our guests, and we can't do anything for father right now. We should prepare for dinner and smooth things over with Prince Darien. Colette placed her hand on Gustav's shoulder. He shook his head. There must be something we can do. What about Lena? She knows a lot about magic. Marquis Corbo sniffed. Princess Evangelina is doubtless busy running her kingdom, your majesty. You should do the same. Starting with welcoming your guests at the reception tonight. Gustav looked from the statue to the dowager queen. Grandmother. She shook her head. Gustav, there is nothing we can do for him tonight. But we can do something for Montaigne. We can celebrate your birthday and strengthen our relationship with Eldria. Your father would be proud of that. Gustav looked away. He had been certain that at least his grandmother would support him. Why did everyone insist that a party was more important than freeing his father? They don't want to admit how confused they are, Lady Mare signed. She stood behind the crowd, so her words were only for him. They don't know what to do, and that makes them feel helpless. Continuing with the gala will give them a way to keep busy while honoring your father. Gustav considered this. Perhaps Lady Mare was right. He would do anything to help his father, but other than writing a letter to Lena, he had no idea what action to take. And the others weren't wrong about Prince Darien. Doubtless he was furious that he hadn't been properly greeted. You have him in the castle, at least. That's more than you had this morning. Gustav nodded. He didn't know why his father had appeared on the beach or why the mermaids had been there. Or why Leander had attacked them with a kraken to try to retrieve him. Or why Lady Mare had forks in her hair. Or why fish had rained from the sky. It had been a strange day that raised a lot of questions, and apparently he would not get any answers tonight. Gustav looked at the statue of his father for guidance. King Francois's expression was sad but peaceful. Hopefully that meant the transformation hadn't been painful, and that he wasn't in pain now. Because it seemed he would be a statue a while longer. Gustav took a deep breath and turned back to the crowd. We'll prepare for the reception, he said. We'll greet Prince Darien and go on as if nothing has happened. But as soon as this gala is over and the guests have gone, I will focus my full attention on freeing father from this curse. Chapter 45 Fiora watched the pile of glass and shells grow as the servants removed debris from her hair. They had taken one look at Fiora's tangled hair and one sniff of the fishy scent and declared there was no way they could have the lady ready in time for dinner.
so they had summoned help and a tray of food so Fiora could eat while they worked. She was grateful for the excuse to stay in her room. She closed her eyes, trying to push away the sinking feeling that had been building ever since Marquis Corbo had mentioned that the Crown Prince of Eldria would join them for dinner. Fiora had participated in a princess test and tried to win Prince Darian's affection last year. It had ended in a disaster almost as bad as the most recent one in Ionia. After considering all the ladies present, Prince Darian had declared that none of them were fit to be his bride and ended the test without declaring a winner. It was unprecedented and humiliating. Fiora could only hope that someone so arrogant had not been paying attention and wouldn't recognize her. Or perhaps this was the perfect opportunity to reveal her true identity. Fiora glanced at her pillow. She had hidden the dye removal potion underneath it. All she had to do was wash the squid ink out of her hair, and everyone would know. Are you all right, miss? She nodded and looked down at her ring. The pearly sheen had spread until it covered half the surface of the gem. Gustav loved her more now than he had that morning. Surely that was a good sign. And surely it would be far better to tell him herself than have an arrogant prince reveal her identity. Then again, Prince Darian might not recognize her. He had considered her beneath him when she was a princess. He would likely think that even more when she met him as a mute commoner. Perhaps if she avoided him, she could remain in disguise. But should she? Gustav half loved her. Perhaps if she told him the truth. Someone knocked on the door, and Fiora rolled her eyes, annoyed to have her thoughts interrupted. The servants looked from the door to Fiora, unsure what to do. She waited a few moments, then shrugged her answer when the knocking didn't stop. A servant opened the door and quickly dropped into a curtsy when she saw Princess Colette. Fiora blinked. A visit from the princess was the last thing she expected. May I come in? Colette said. Fiora wanted to say no. If she'd had her voice, she would have done so at once. But it took extra time to form her thoughts into sign language, and somehow she found herself agreeing. You can leave us, Colette told the servants. I'll finish helping Lady Mare prepare for the reception. They curtsied and hurried away. If that's all right with you, that is, Colette added quickly. Fiora shrugged her consent. Colette picked up a comb and worked it through Fiora's hair, removing the last few bits of glass. Fiora watched her work in the mirror and tried to guess what the princess wanted. Colette swallowed a few times. She seemed to be working up the courage to say something. Fiora waited. It wasn't like she had anything better to do. Finally, the princess won her internal battle and took a deep breath. Lady Mayor, I've come to apologize. I've been rude to you since you arrived. I swore to use my position to help others, but I turned a blind eye to your need. I am sorry. Fiora didn't know what to say. As far as she could remember, no one had ever apologized to her before she arrived in Montaigne. But the royal family seemed to do so as a matter of habit. Whether they had been unfriendly or a little too friendly. Fiora scowled at the memory of Gustav's apology after the kiss. Colette flushed, thinking the expression was meant for her. I thought you were trying to trap my brother. The way you appeared and became inseparable from him seemed suspicious. Not to mention I had hopes of securing his affections for my friend. 
Colette lowered her eyes and turned her attention back to Fiora's hair, twisting a few dark strands so they draped around her face. It seems so silly now, but you also reminded me of someone I've quarreled with in the past. I judged you by that person's actions instead of your own, which was a foolish thing to do. Fiora's scowl deepened. She had a pretty good idea who that person was. But you're not her. Colette said. That's what I'm trying to say. She's awful, but you're not. It was a mistake, and I'm sorry. Fiora sighed. Thank goodness she had dyed her hair. If the normally kind Colette treated someone who reminded her of Fiora badly, how would she have treated Fiora herself? And how would Gustav treat her if he knew? This shook Fiora's confidence in the king's affections in spite of the pearl's glow. She was not a fool. She knew her reputation. She was so undesirable that her father had banished her to the sea to be rid of her. Fiora looked at her pillow again. At the place she had hidden the potion that could wash away the squid ink and reveal her identity. She couldn't tell him. Generous as he was, Gustav would not be capable of loving her as her true self. No doubt Colette had told him all the ways that Fiora had slighted her at the princess tests. And as king, Gustav would be familiar with other stories about Fiora and the royal family of Kel. A tear slid down Fiora's cheek, and she brushed it away hastily. There was no point in regretting what couldn't be. Gustav's affection would crumble the moment she said her true name, so she wouldn't say it. Simple? Easy? Oh, Lady Mare, I've upset you further. Please forgive me. Was Colette apologizing for apologizing? The people of Montaigne really did take their manners too far sometimes. Please, don't trouble yourself. You are very considerate to apologize, but it is unnecessary. It is completely necessary. I may not have understood what my brother saw in you at first, but you risked your life to save him from a crack in this afternoon. Whatever misfortunes befell you in the past, you are brave and loyal. I would be honored if you would accept my apology and be my friend. Colette held out her hand, and Fiora blinked at it. She had never had a woman offer friendship. Or a man either, for that matter. After a moment's hesitation, she reached out and clasped Colette's hand. The friendship was based on a lie as much as her relationship with Gustav was, but she would take whatever she could get. Would you like to get ready for the gala with me tomorrow? Colette said. The other princesses and honored guests will all get dressed together. I could use some backup against Lady Annabelle now that Kara has gone home. Fiora smirked. You don't think you've misjudged her as you misjudged me. Colette sputtered for a moment before she realized Fiora was joking. Then she laughed. No, I certainly don't. That portrait. She giggled, and Fiora joined the princess in silent laughter. Oh, you've missed dinner as well, Fiora signed. Please, have some food. She gestured to her tray, but Colette shook her head. I had some paperwork to finish for the new budget proposal, so I ate in my room while I worked on it. It also gave me an excuse to gather my courage before facing the crown prince of Eldria. I've met him before at a princess test. I'm afraid he's rather insufferable. If Fiora had her voice, she would have commented on Prince Darian at once and ruined her disguise. As it was, she raised her hands to agree and realized her mistake in time. 
We'll have to stick together at the reception, then. An arrogant prince can't be any worse than a kraken. Colette tried not to smile, but she couldn't stop the corners of her mouth from twitching upwards. Chapter 46 Gustav hurried through the hallway. If he had to put his father's rescue aside to entertain guests, he would prefer to do it properly. Being late for dinner was not a good way to smooth things over with Prince Darian. Your Majesty. Dale ran towards Gustav and fell into step beside him. He was dressed for dinner but still carrying the forks Fiora had pulled from her hair. Gustav quickened his step, but the merchant matched his pace. I see we're both running late, Dale said. I went back to the beach to look for more forks and regrettably ruined my clothes digging through fish. Did you find any? The merchant shook his head. It seems Lady Mare found all of them. I plan to return after the next tide to check again. Perhaps more will wash up. You're sure those are forks from your ship? Of course. They're a custom design specially commissioned. Dale handed a fork to Gustav, who studied it with interest. It truly was a unique piece of cutlery. The end was intricately carved into the shape of a rose. Delicate vines crawled up the handle and wrapped around the tines. It's not the most practical design, is it? This is what my client wanted. Dale took the fork back from Gustav and studied it with a frown. I'm afraid this confirms that my ship was lost at sea. These have been underwater. Look at the tarnish. He pointed grimly to the spots on the silver. Gustav nodded. The forks had definitely spent some time in the sea. So how had Lady Mare found them? Had they washed ashore? Had the mermaids brought them to her? But why would mermaids bring her forks? And why would she tie them into her hair? Gustav sighed. None of it made any sense. Dell echoed his sigh. If there's no hope of retrieving my ship, I suppose I should sail back to Eldria. At least I'm not returning to my client completely empty-handed. Stay for the gala, at least, Gustav said. Your majesty has been far kinder than I deserve, but I'm a humble merchant. I have no business socializing with royalty. I understand you want to return home, but it may take time to find a ship willing to take passengers after the Kraken attacks. We can help you secure passage, and I hope you'll stay and enjoy the gala in the meantime. Gustav was surprised to find that he meant it. Yes, Dale's inquiries had been annoying, but the man was simply trying to provide for his family. His persistence was understandable. Dale smiled. I would like that, Your Majesty. It would give me at least one pleasant story to tell my family when I return. Your kindness is unprecedented. Gustav shrugged, not sure what to say to that. The kindness had cost him very little. They reached the dining room, and Gustav took a deep breath. It was time to be a king. He turned to the footman at the door. Have any of the guests arrived yet? The crown prince is already inside. He insisted and said that he didn't mind waiting. Not likely. Gustav squared his shoulders and prepared to face the arrogant prince. Very well. Please announce us. The footman opened the door. His Royal Majesty King Gustav of Montaigne and Merchant Dale Mercer of Eldria. Gustav held his head high as he entered the room and prepared for whatever insult Prince Darien threw at him. 
but Darian wasn't in the room. A young man at the table quickly stood when Gustav entered. Gustav blinked, trying to remember where he had seen him before. What was his name? Crown Prince Edric at your service, the young man said, answering the question Gustav hadn't asked. I believe we've been introduced once before, but that was several years ago. It is an honor to visit you in Montaigne, King Gustav. He bowed low, raising a hand to hold his crown in place so it wouldn't fall off his head. It was a little too big, as if it had been made for someone else. It probably had. Gustav thought back, trying to remember news of the crown prince of Eldria dying. He had been distracted while searching for his father, but surely not so distracted that he had missed or forgotten that announcement. Forgive me, but your brother. Gustav didn't finish the sentence. He wished he hadn't started it. Asking what had happened was basically admitting that he didn't know what had happened. Which was unbelievably rude. He had received condolences from every royal family in Myra when his father disappeared. If Prince Darian had died and Gustav had not sent condolences, that would be a horrible breach of etiquette. But Prince Edric smiled. You have not missed a royal announcement, Your Majesty, and I apologize for not sending word ahead of my arrival. My older brother recently became unable to fulfill his royal duties and abdicated the throne to me. This is my first time attending a royal event as crown prince, and I do beg pardon in advance if I get anything wrong. Prince Edric did not look particularly upset about whatever misfortune had caused his brother to be unsuitable for his duties. Either it was nothing serious, or he was rather pleased to have inherited the throne. Possibly both. Gustav looked around the room. The servants were waiting to put food on the table until the guests sat. All three of them. A footman entered the room and handed Gustav a note from Colette. She apologized for missing dinner and said she had paperwork to complete. For once, Gustav wished he was the one doing the paperwork. It would be better than trying to smooth over the awkwardness with Prince Edric. The door burst open, and Thomas pushed Dowager Queen Bernadine into the dining room. I was afraid I was late, but apparently that was an unfounded concern. She gave Prince Edric a questioning glance. Grandmother, this is Crown Prince Edric of Eldria, Gustav said. She raised an eyebrow as she studied the prince. The younger son, Gustav signed. Apparently Darian is unable to carry out his duties and has abdicated. Interesting. Her expression said she found the whole thing suspicious. Marquis Corbo burst into the room before the Dowager Queen could comment further. Your Majesty, please forgive my tardiness. I have just received word that another royal guest will be joining us tomorrow, and I... Are you sure we have enough room? Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Marquis Corbo glowered at her and shut his mouth with a snap. Lady Annabel and Elaine entered with Marchioness Rouge. Lady Annabel rushed over to Gustav. Oh, Your Majesty, I heard about your misfortune on the beach today. I am so glad you are well. Misfortune? Prince Edric said. Lady Annabel glanced at Prince Edric and smiled when she saw his crown. King Gustav has had the most interesting times on the beach lately. Would you believe he found a woman? Shall we sit down to dinner? Gustav said. The food will get cold if we wait. 
Lady Annabel huffed a little, but brightened when Prince Edric offered his arm to escort her to the table. Since Lady Mare was absent, Gustav offered his to Elaine. I've had no luck, she whispered as they walked. I only agreed to take a break because they refused to bring me a tray in the library. Something about the food damaging the books. I'll return to my research as soon as we finish dinner. Oh, your majesty, what are you whispering about over there? Lady Annabel said. He is so terrible, Prince Edric. Always having private conversations and ignoring the rest of his guests. Well, perhaps we can show him how it feels to be left out, Prince Edric said. He leaned over and whispered something to Lady Annabel. She giggled. Gustav raised an eyebrow. The former crown prince of Eldria had claimed that no woman was good enough for him. Apparently the new one was not so picky. Why had they not notified him in advance? Eldria could hardly blame him for reacting with surprise when they swapped crown princes without warning. Whatever misfortune had befallen Prince Darien must have been very sudden indeed. Gustav stared at the door, wishing Lady Mare would arrive so he could discuss it with her.